Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business Radio's only live streaming business and markets service. Great to have your company broadcasting live from Barangaroo Studios here. Uh, great to have your company just after midday Eastern Standard Time. And of course, that means it is time for the call. We analyze 10 stocks that you suggest, put it to a panel of two experts in 60 minutes and see if we can give you some direction. And uh, one of my favorite teams on today, Always uh, very forthright in their opinions, but also with a lot of fun as well. James Rosenberg from Bayview. James, good to see you. Good to see you, David. Good, good afternoon. Always. Never Excellent. had a bad one yet. Keep yeah. fronting up to see if it happens. It hasn't <laughs> happened yet. Good one. And Gary Glover from Novus Capital. Gary, good to see you. Likewise, good weekend. Yeah, no, very nice. Very nice. First up, James, um, Megaport. Uh, IT telco business, sort of uh, riding the the work from home wave at the moment. Um, what do you think? Raise some money in December, which not often you can say that, that they raised money at the peak of the market. No, well done to them. There's too many <laughs> yeah. uh, companies raising money after their share prices have been decimated. So well yeah. done to them. David, it's not one I know a lot about, and I have to yeah. confess I'm a total Luddite. So uh, on that reason alone, uh, I prefer to buy businesses that I really know and understand. And right. um, elasticity, connectivity, and network services, it sounds absolutely fantastic. Um, done <laughs> phenomenally well since it listed in 2015. It's had terrific revenue growth, hasn't yet made a profit. And again, I prefer to buy companies that have got an earnings history rather right. than uh, the promise of something that may happen. Um, clearly done very well. They've also raised capital each year. We, we talk about December, they've raised each year and I don't like that either. Right. Um, <clears throat> I'm not saying don't buy it. I personally wouldn't. Um, I really want to have a deep understanding of okay. uh, a business and a history of profit growth. On those two bases, I wouldn't buy it. Right. Um, clearly, the market loves it because it's yeah. up almost 10 times since listing. Uh, but yeah, not for me. Yeah. Uh, Gary, what about Megaport? Because it's actually uh, one of the few stocks that's basically retraced um, the, the, the entire dip from, uh, from the middle of March. So, as James was saying, a lot of people yeah, the in price, the market like it. Yeah, price action's been uh, obviously 
you know, I guess phenomenally, might, you might describe it here at the moment, obviously gone to a, a new high here just in the last week here. So not many stocks um, in that sort of, um, yeah, I guess occurring for those at the moment. The, the big issue I have there um, is that the market cap, $1.8 billion market cap. So only doing, done about 25 in, in uh, mil in revenue for the half. So we're looking at maybe a 50 mil annual revenue and we're at a market cap of 1.8 billion. So uh, yes, we're growing at 10% quarter. So some really strong growth there. But um, as was already mentioned there, they've basically raised money every year. Operating expenses are almost equivalent to the revenue every year. So this is a business which, although it's growing pretty quickly, um, it's you know, having to go you know, tap the market for, for money here. So just to me, it looks like a sell to me. Actually, I just um, I mean, the, the numbers are pretty amazing in terms of um, market cap and revenue and the rest of it, yeah. um, not making a profit. But the price action too, although we're pretty strong, we've just gone back to retest the old high and made a bit of a false break, which is for me not a good technical sign. And the last correction was what I call like an overbalance. So has been trending up for a long time. The correction's a little larger than any other correction historically. So it's what we call like a you know basically overbalancing the trend. Now we go back to a marginal new high. We've raised money. You know, uh, yeah, I think it's I think there's I guess the beauty here is if uh, I, I think it's probably not about a short trade here. If I'm wrong, I'm um, I'm probably looking at the last high as as my stop point. Um, but uh, yeah, it looks looks pretty overpriced. Yeah, it's a, when you go through that, both of you, James. Here is a company that has revenue of fifty million, never made a profit, and is worth one and a half billion dollars on a huge multiple. Mm. How does that occur? Uh, market pricing in hope for the future. There's a number right. of companies like that. You and I talked about Zero a few weeks ago, yep. which again has done yep. phenomenally well in building their subscriber base and, uh, and, and revenue, but hasn't turned a profit. Um, as I think I said at the time, I probably would have said the same thing about Amazon 20 years ago. Right. Okay. And I changed my sure. tune on, on that company. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, it's a big market. There's 2,200 listed companies. You don't have to buy them all. Yeah. So it's just not one that would be... Um, to be on my radar. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, let's look at the uh, the second one, Gary. It's a, an ETF, the the Beta Shares Geared Fund. Sort of basically invests in that ASX top two hundred, don't they? With um, and and leverage it to what fifty to to sixty percent. So I think the Geared Fund. I've traded it before. Actually, I think it's a uh, two times leverage. So normally it's uh. It, Basically follows the it follows the ASX basket, so it's um yeah, so I think it's basically it's they they usually use ASX uh, futures, they use a spy here in this case. So um, the whole theory, the whole premise is that if the if the XJO bounces say five percent, that the gear will go up ten percent. So right. and also on the downside, if it falls ten percent, then the fund will fall twenty percent. So it can have that. Um, um, yeah, so if you thought the market was on its knees and um, ready for a bounce, which which I have had recently, then um, if you got a five or ten percent bounce off the lows, then you're going to double that in terms of the fund here. So it's got just got that magnifying. So it's that's all it really is. Um, I've got a, I've got a slight issue with some of the ETFs at the moment. They haven't really been 
um, they don't necessarily have to track the fund or, or the performance a lot of the time and um, they don't always say true you know this they, they give you some guidance as to where they sort of sit as well so yeah I know sometimes it's easy just to trade the shares <laughs> so right yeah right because if they did that if you look on the one-year chart April what was it the best month for um, uh, since 1988 or or whatever it was really didn't have a big bounce in in April there we go um, in term why wouldn't that have happened Gary or is that is that an example uh, that, that so may not probably, be true well, to its form well it's just kind of yeah I, I tend to find these things um, I guess you look at the percentage there as well so We've gone from what nine to um, what's that up to fifteen. Oh, so it's sort of right. yeah, that's yeah. a that's a fairly decent percentage yep. sort of okay. uh, run. So it looks looks a little uh, harrowing on the chart. So right. they tend to get a bit of a belting because you've got to remember this thing's leveraged. So yep. when it, when it falls, you get a leverage fall, and then yep. uh, you come okay. out with a lower base. Enough. So the percentage probably probably falls in the guidelines, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, you've got to be careful of those things. Sometimes it's better to play the stocks, I think. Yeah, James? Well, debt's your best friend and your worst enemy, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's why it's not for me. Um, if you want to be in a broad-based ETF, what a great way to get exposure to the market. But as Gary was saying, it's significantly higher risk, and that risk cuts both ways. Yeah. Um, Warren Buffett had the uh, Berkshire Hathaway general meeting yesterday, and pointed out yet again that three times in its history the company's halved in value over a period of time. That's been a pretty good investment over the long term. Sure. Um, however, if you'd bought it in and particularly bought it with borrowed money at that time, margin lending, you would have been wiped out. Right. So you can have a really good investment, but through gearing you can destroy yourself. Yep. So I think ETFs, if you don't want to pick uh, companies to <clears throat> meet your own, uh, make your own portfolio, ETFs or listed investment companies are a really good way of doing it, but um, I, I don't like the gearing. Right. Um, I suppose the advantage of this is that there are no margin calls. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, so it's no, like no. having a geared investment. Completely. If you wanted to gear up yep. and you're really bullish on the market, um, this could be an option because if it goes sour, no one's going to come. It just goes sour for you, doesn't you, it? That's exactly right. And that, yeah. that's a really good point. It is different from a margin loan. However, yeah. the leverage that Gary was talking about on the up also works on the down. Yeah. You really want to have some confidence that uh, the market is on its lows to yeah. uh, to try and turbocharge your portfolio that way. And if you get it wrong, it's turbocharged on the downside. Yeah. So it's um, I'm pretty conservative. My clients are pretty conservative. Uh, I don't like buying companies with a lot of gearing, right. um, so I wouldn't want to buy an ETF with a lot either. Okay, all right. So I know on the beta shares geared fund. All right, let's go to uh, our third stock. Um, if you if you want to talk miners and resource stocks, this has been a darling for a long time. Uh, fairly uh, controversial sort of chairman, you would say. Uh, with a lot of different opinions in Andrew Forrest, uh, Fortescue. Um, James, basically a, a pure iron ore play, this one, isn't it? What a story. Yeah, and, and, it's an incredible and story. You have to admire Andrew Forrest. Whether you like him or don't like him, you have to admire him. 
He built this thing on basically the gift of the gab, yep. uh, borrowed money, huge amounts of money at extortionate rates in the US junk bond market, yeah. and has built this phenomenal um, company, used the cash flow to uh, either pay down debt or to buy back, back um, highly um, high interest debt, and, and it's got a commercial rating now really have to admire it. It's not uh, particularly, they're very efficient at what they do. They're very cost effective, um, yep. but it's not particularly high grade ore. So they don't get the premium prices. Uh, they've got low, lower quality funds. Um, it's a good way to play pure iron ore, but um, <clears throat> we've got a uh, slightly bearish view on iron ore over the next couple oh. of years. Okay. Uh, we think China's appetite has peaked. It's not going to collapse or anything like that. Right. But we've got slightly declining volumes across, uh, across the whole industry. Um, Fortescue's not expensive relative to uh, uh, trailing earnings and not even forecast earnings. But for the longer term, it's, uh, there's going to have to be a pickup somewhere else in demand, which may well happen. Yep. But um, I, I, I like it, but I wouldn't be banging, on, banging the table to buy it. Right, okay. Um, Gary James is right. It is a remarkable story. It was only, what, four years ago that um, Fortescue was in the headlines and Andrew Forrest that the banks were going to close him out and it was going to go broke. He is so tenacious, isn't he? It's been... It's been a great success story. Yeah, it has. I mean, it's obviously been, it's had a pretty turbulent price action as well. So obviously that iron ore price has had yeah. some pretty significant moves in the period. And obviously it was it was pretty highly geared initially as well. So uh, I remember in the early days there, I think before, might be in the week of its first shipment there, I think it had a market cap equivalent to ANZ. Um, that, was, that was before they'd even shipped their first... Um, wow you know, sort of iron ore. So just people, sometimes the emotions of, uh, of what, what comes can, can value companies pretty high pretty early. Maybe a little bit like that um, MP1 we talked about earlier, but um, has had a great run here. I, I tend to agree, actually. Um, well, I, I, I actually think that maybe the, the stock's a little bit extended here. I just can't see too much upside here in the short term for the stock here. So I, I, t- I tend to think here, like the, the iron ore price has been pretty robust and the one thing I sort of noticed with the commodities, the basket, is that um, the basket actually is down, the, the CRB index. and um, But what actually is occurring is that each different commodities are sort of having a bit of a run. So gold will have a run or uh, oil will have a run, well, obviously not at the moment. But um, And then you know, iron ore sort of run. So just you just sort of find that the basket's low, but within the basket, maybe one or two of the different metals or will, will actually have a move. So I think iron ore is pretty extended here. So... Um, again, just looking at the price action as well, the last correction that was pretty heavy selling from that sort of twelve fifty down to you know, sub nine dollars. Now we've sort of bounced back up to around that twelve dollar mark. Very low participation rate in this last rally. So the last sort of six weeks up, it's gotten lighter and lighter and lighter with the you know, as the stock's gone higher. So just fewer and fewer people are involved to, you know, I guess, want to get involved in this rally here. So that that just tells me the stock's vulnerable for a bit more downside. So. I think it more than likely it'll come back to nine dollars. I think. Right. Okay. So if it does come back to nine dollars, is that a a buy, or are you saying that um, that investment-wise, in the medium to longer term, it might be around its peak? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, look, I'll probably have to sort of see how that price action moves towards that level as well. If it takes a long time and um, and obviously the, the iron ore price holds up and things like that and the sector looks robust, then you, yeah. you know, potentially. But if it moves down pretty impulsively, if selling's pretty aggressive, then then I yeah. wouldn't be buying it, I guess. So, yeah. Um, but James, the iron ore price, everyone's been saying it's been too high for a long time. <laughs> and something seems to keep up. At the moment, it's the... The issues with with Barley, isn't it? The the world's biggest iron ore producer in in South America has got production problems. So that's and they're slowly up. coming back online. Yeah. The issue is that China's spent huge amounts of money building this incredible infrastructure, and it's yeah. evolving to be more and more of a consumer economy rather than a, um, a infrastructure growth. Yep. It may well happen that they price that that country prices itself out of uh, a lot of really low end. Manufacturing. It's already happened in textile and, yep. and footwear. And if that's the case and that moves elsewhere, yeah. a lot of infrastructure will be needed in those other geographic places. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's, it's not going to go away. It's not no. going to collapse. No. Uh, we just think it's, it's peaked and it's in a modest decline. The, okay. the, 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 the d- demand. Well, let me tell you, the uh, the biggest uh, fanboy of the iron ore prices has got to be uh, Josh Frydenberg at the moment, hoping that that, that iron ore price will stay high for the good of the well, budget. Gee, that's exactly right. They're going to save the, well, I don't know about save the budget, but oh, um, yeah. but, but um, cushion it. Yeah, you want it up there for at least another year or two, I think, if you're the federal government. All right, so a note from Fortescue. Um, our fourth stock... A soft note from me. A soft note, okay. Um, if it pulled back to $9, would you...? Oh, for a trading point of view, yes, but most of my clients are really trying to build for the long term. So right. um, if you've got a business that's got revenue declining forecast, albeit only modestly... Yeah. Pays a good dividend, though. Oh, dividend's they? been fantastic. Yeah. wouldn't mind getting Andrew's dividend. Yeah. wouldn't mind getting the interest <laughs> exactly. on his dividend. What, did, what, did, what was his difference? Oh, six, six with the Franklin credits and things, like one billion something. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Six hundred and fifty mil. Uh, incredible. Uh, that was just for a half year. Um, all right. Our fourth stock. You talk about uh, an industry down on its knees and a company that's been absolutely battered with this, Gary. Um, Webjet. Is it a? It, is it a time to buy, yeah. to buy straw hats in winter? Uh, look, I've actually had a couple of clients actually buy small small parcel here in the um, in the last week or so. Actually, so the only premise to me is like, look, I think it's going to be tough, still tough moving forward. There, I think it's going to take a bit longer to, to come out of this, and maybe people think as well. But um, if 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 you are venturing into these sort of um, these assets that are a bit suppressed here at the moment, I would do so very lightly. Mm-hmm. So. Um, just don't go guns blazing. Is that that's, that was probably my advice to a couple of clients there. Is that look, maybe just start with a small parcel, um, and then maybe build from there. Once we start to see a bit more improvement, um, but there's still a lot of risk there for me. So um, it's a, probably a watch, a bit of a hold. So it, look, it may well be a fantastic buy here. Uh, definitely has been a fantastic business longer term. Just just think it might take a little bit of traction, but the market always looks pretty far ahead. So. Um, yeah, it could well be an opportunity here. So, yeah. yeah. You look at that twelve down to two dollars. You know, if I suppose uh, James, if you, you know, if you if you wanted um, a small vulture 
part of your, your portfolio that you just stuck aside and said, right, I'm going to be a vulture, just pick up anything on its knees, a tiny amount, um, that travel sector must be primed for it. I think You've so. Got be it's got to be at its high risk. It's going to be the longest thing to recover, the yeah. travel sector. But yeah. the ones that survive will do well. Um, they've raised capital every year for the last four or five, I think. Right. The last one a month or so ago was at a dollar seventy. Well, you really, I know this thing came completely unexpected and decimated the travel industry, but. Wow, raising yeah. money at a dollar, and it, it was big. I think it was one for one. It was a very big dilution. So yeah. you're either putting your hand in your pocket for a hell of a lot of money, or you're taking a significant dilution. Yeah. And I, I don't like that. Yeah. So, um, so what you're saying with the dilution is that, you know, you look at that as I said before, twelve dollars, but just six weeks ago, two months ago, if you like, twelve dollars, and you think. Oh, okay, that's what it can get back up to. But a significant dilution like that means with the number of shares now available, I only get to six or seven. The only way they're, getting, sort back of logically, to, the only way they're getting back to $12 in the next few years is if they have a uh, consolidation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not happening. Yeah. And, and Gary, is that, what, is that what investors should be keeping in mind, particularly in this environment with so many companies raising at the moment, don't look at a chart like that, a one-year chart, to say, hey, if things go well again, it'll be back to $12. Because with the just the sheer weight of the extra number of shares, it's just not going to get there. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, really should be looking at um, the, the earnings band. So if you look at these stocks historically, look at what sort of um, multiples they, they typically trade between. So... Like a, like a, I guess for not like an ANZ bank, for argument's yeah. sake, might be trading between nine and and thirteen for the last fifteen years. So once it goes under nine, so I think recently we went down to six um, because that's that's pretty pretty damn cheap. Probably the lowest multiple it's been on in the last um, twenty years. But we know there's a haircut coming there, so you sort of know that there's going to be a cut to earnings here. And we've seen the banks here have probably well Westpac was under half, so. Just kind of gives you an idea. So, yeah, so just need to look at the multiples these things are trading on as well, where they typically trade. Um, but I think you've nailed it there in terms of, you know, if, it's, if it was $12 and then we've, we've raised twice as much capital, then once it, once it starts humming, you're talking about six is probably going to be the ultimate upside here for the stock. So that's, you know, that's the, that's the simplicity of it really is what you've, what you've actually highlighted there. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it will recover. I, I, yeah. I think it will, but I think it's a long, long time. Yeah. And um, you may well look back in five years plus and, and think that this is a really good opportunity. But yeah. um, in the meantime, I think there are probably better sectors to be in. Yeah. If I owned it, I, I would have taken up the capital raising, as was the case with Flight Centre, right. uh, because they will survive. They're, they're good businesses, but they're, yeah. um, they're going to be the last to recover. And they are, and you're getting the point, even Scott Morrison on the weekend said again, can't see any overseas travel for a long time, except to, to New Zealand maybe in that, that bubble. And there's talk that you might need to have a health passport before you get on a plane now, a bit like the little yellow one we have now, whether you've got your yellow fever and malaria and stuff like that. 
that you've been being tested just before to get on you get on a plane. Well, speaking of New Zealand and yellow fever, it's fantastic. It's the only third world country you can visit without having to have a yellow fever shot. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. So it'd be great for do them. We go, do we go live to New Zealand? Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. All right, uh, let's take a look at our, our fit shot. We struck out on all four so far, so let's see if we can get to the halfway mark with at least one that uh, both Gary and James uh, like. Gary, what do you think of Maine Pharma, pharmaceutical business? Yeah, look, it's um, interesting there. The market cap's, what, 700 mil. Um, first half revenue was uh, 227 mil, and that's down 17% on the year. So so from a just an EV sort of point of view, the, the valuation's not not large here. Um, just obviously the issues are obviously net loss, uh, just under 20 million. Um, so has been losing a bit of money there. The thing that I do like about Maine at the moment is they do have um, an oral contraceptive pill, which they've submitted um, to FDA. Pretty confident that'll come through first half of 21. Also, quite a few other. It's it's really sort of um, relying on what products and um, um, they've got in the pipeline. So they do have a few interesting um, products sort of coming online here. Um, so most brokers were sort of sitting originally around that target of sort of 40, 43 cents based on this was pre the um, oral contraceptive. And now with that oral contraceptive pill potentially coming on board there, I think a lot of brokers are probably got potential um, a lot more higher targets there, but that's still not 100% done or approved. It's um, it's more than likely, but not mm. over the line yet, I guess. So okay. there's um, there's some upside potential in Maine, but it's probably going to be, it's not going to come in until next year. So yeah, so probably not expensive here. Um, it's had a bit of a bounce here recently, so I don't know if I'd be chasing it at 40 cents, but to pull back to you know mid mid thirties there, it's probably not a bad value point there actually. So okay. um, maybe a soft buy, probably probably similar to Webjet there. Probably from entering in here, I'm entering lightly, but I'm probably probably sit back on my heels and wait for lower prices there. But okay. potential upside for next year. So and uh, being a pharmaceutical business, they're they're not spinning a coronavirus. <laughs> Uh, story, which has what, shot a few of them what's, up. What's wrong with them? Yeah, 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 exactly right. Jeez, they're, they're a bit too legitimate, maybe. Uh, James, what do you think of Maine Pharma? Well, historically, it's been a company that's made generic drugs, and yep. that's a very, very competitive business with very low margins. They're trying to transition themselves into a company, as Gary points out, that's making prescription drugs, higher margin, but it's a long, expensive yep. and rocky road to get there. Um, only for the true believers. I, I wouldn't be buying it. Right. Yeah, yeah. They're sort of in that um, own brand of pharmaceuticals, if you want a supermarket analogy, aren't they? More yeah, and anything. they're very low, low margin business. Right. Okay. All right. So um, halfway, five stocks. Um, and not many of them have impressed our panel at all today. A no for, uh, for Megaport, a no for the VitaShares uh, geared fund. No for Fortescue. Soft buy from uh, from Gary on Webjet if there's a pullback. And the same with Maine, that if it gets down to that mid to low 30 cent mark, maybe a look, uh, a no from James on both of them as well. Halfway through uh, the call, don't forget if you want to suggest any stocks that our panel covers in, uh, in future sessions, 
you can email the call at osbiz.com.au and we will see if we can add them. Uh, better get in quick. We get inundated with suggestions from uh, from viewers, so which is terrific. Thanks for your support. All right, our sixth stop. Let's kick off the second half. And um, Gary, I select um, sort of it's it runs compare the market type websites, don't they, in financial products and and insurance products and and get a clip of the ticket if you decide to switch. Yeah, so look at some look at market cap's pretty small, so it's only forty six million. Um, first half revenue um, sixty one point nine million. It's um, first half loss is around about five and a you know five and a half million dollars. So it is uh, revenues in decline here pretty strongly. So down seventeen percent on the year. Just to me, the couple of things that I just highlighted here is like business in decline. Where's a competitive advantage? Yes, there's low V, low EV value there, but just cannot get excited at all about this business. So, to, to definite uh, self to me, I just can't. Uh, I think there's better companies out there. Right. Okay, James. Completely agree. This is completely disproven the first mover advantage that many of these types of companies had. Started being a health insurance comparison site, not com- compare the market, that's the major competition, yep. um, the rat or whatever it is. Yep. Um, very troubled history with execution. I think they had three CEOs in as many years in their first couple of years. Um, but the problem is that there's a lot of government um, sites that are free yeah. Um, the money's not a problem because people don't pay. Um, I select the uh, the insurers pay them. Yep. They've tried to branch out into electricity and telecoms and all that, those other sort of comparison things, but <clears throat> there are more trusted websites, particularly from government. Um, yeah, there's a whole batch of them too, isn't there? With um, you know, I suppose Finder is a all competitor. Camstar's a yep. competitor. Uh, there's so all, there there's, a, there's there, a lot of there. them, and um, they don't look to have done it particularly well. There's one in the UK that I can't think of the name at the moment that actually has done well, has held up despite yeah. competition. But um, for whatever reason, they weren't able to build enough traction to uh, to hold that first mover advantage that they yeah. had. This thing was over two dollars. Well, I was just looking at the chart; it was two thirty at one stage, yeah, uh, and now, now it's twenty three cents. cents. Mm. Yep. Yeah. I. I I can't think of a reason to buy it. Right, okay. All right, a note from both uh, Gary and James. Uh, while we've got you, James, um, sticky in financial services. This one, uh, a wealth management group, uh, Fiducian. I like it. It's a, um, it's a really good little company. Uh, they've got um, wealth management, um, uh, funds management, discretionary uh, portfolios, um, done really well, very sticky client base. Uh, they've got nine of their own offices and about 30-odd franchises. Um, very, very tightly run. Um, right. Done well. Um, been quite acquisitive, but they've cherry-picked the, the businesses that are most suitable, suitable for them. Um, ROE's very good, 30%, which you'd expect in a business like that. Um, not a lot of turnover in the stock, so if you want to get it in any size, you've, uh, you've got to be a bit patient. But yeah, I, I like it. Okay, all right. Um, a tick for fiduciary. Gary, what's your view? You know, you're pretty similar, actually. So the PE is only 13. The 
yields just over five percent fully franked so 140 mil market cap so uh, yeah not too bad the revenues has been up 13 percent for the year net profit up seven percent for the year so businesses which has been sort of tracking pretty nicely i saw they made a little acquisition recently another 56 million in size so it looks like they're just sort of just growing nice and steady nice and sort of slow and steady here so um yeah probably probably not a bad place there probably all about price here for me this one so uh don't mind this stock here but um all about maybe trying to get it closer to four dollars potentially right okay um james how come they've cracked it and so many others haven't these sort of wealth, wealth management groups and particularly if you own a big string of financial planners um when they go well, they go really well. When they fall apart, they fall apart badly. Everyone falls out of love with each other, don't they? A lot of them have done well, but not necessarily listed. Right. Um, in terms of the listed ones, I think you hit the nail on the head when, when you mentioned that a lot of them have a whole string of financial planning practices. Yeah. Um, these guys have been really picky in what they've bought. They haven't overpaid. Um, they've really um, they run a very tight ship from a cost control um, point of view. Indy Singh, the um, CEO and founder and biggest shareholder of it, is very, very um, focused on the business and, right. and motivated. Um, yep. it's, it's, um, th- they haven't gone the full scattergun approach that yeah. the ones that have got into trouble have. Now, Indy was at IPAC for quite a while, was he? I think, from I think you might be memory. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, has a long history mm. in that financial planning network and always regarded as a good operator. So a tick for fiducium from uh, both the guys. First one where we've got unanimous approval from both <laughs> James and Glover, uh, James and Gary on the, uh, on the call today. So that's a good start to the second half. Um, our eighth stock today, a retailer, uh, Accent Group, and some pretty ritzy uh, brands, uh, 400 stores, but brands like Athletes Foot, Doc Martens, Vans, um, James crushed by like every other retailer, but gee, they've got some prestigious brands. For they really do, and, and, and they've built a phenomenally successful business in an Amazon world. Yep. They've done it by being clever. So you can go in and buy your Nikes or whatever it is, but they've got their own um, models within that. Uh, they're probably not much different from the model that you can buy on Amazon, but you can't have price comparison. Yep. The other thing they've done, it's a little bit sort of um, a little bit cheesy, a little bit gimmicky. Um, but they've got uh, sort of computer mapping of your, of your foot and then a little obstacle course you walk over to make sure you've got a good fit. I know with my kids when I bought footy boots or whatever, right. yeah. it's been such an easier experience and a better fit, uh, a better uh, fit for the foot than um, going to DJs or Rebel. Right. Yeah. Uh, so they've done really well in an Amazon world. Mm. Uh, very focused management. They're retailers, they're bootstraps. In their annual report, I think the year before last, they talked about building a business, uh, a profitable business, rather than what they called lazy, discounted-driven retailing. Mm. Um, Yes, they've had a difficult time, like all retailers. Um, They do have... um, Being closed removes some of that competitive advantage. Their online sales have gone from about 250,000 a day to uh, up towards a million a day. So they've done relatively well, but that competitive advantage that I was talking about earlier is eroded on the internet. Um, They have said that they're going to look at starting progressively uh, reopening stores. They're negotiating with landlords, trying to have a share of revenue rather than just a flat 
um, rate with a kicker. Um, I, I like it. I, I own it. Right. Very happy with it. Okay. At this it's price, value at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, value at the moment. Um, We're always going to need shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary? Yeah. Uh, I do like it as well there. Not sure. I mean, it's already had a bit decent bounce here, so I wouldn't be buying it here. I'd be probably waiting for another little uh, squeeze back there. But, yeah, like, I guess the key things there is that the, the online sales were already growing about 33% before COVID-19. So they're already, they're already basically starting to build a nice online presence. Um, and obviously those, those are ramped up here with um, what's 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 going on. The issue is obviously 500 stores, the online part is not going to make up for having those 500 stores closed. No. So there's going to be still a little bit of pain here in the short term. But again, it, they, they have moved early on the digital platform, which is a plus. Got some great brands as well, which is a plus. And like the customer services, I agree, that's probably the top notch those stores as well. So um, particularly athletes, foot, things like that. Just, it's a different level in there. So um, I do like the company there. It's probably just about a bit more, trying to squeeze a bit more price over here, I guess. So, yeah, to, so for me, I, I do like it, just probably trying to get a slightly better price than Caroline. So so what would be attractive for you? What price? What would it need to pull back to? Uh, so we've bounced here from, what, 60 up to 130 there in a pretty, what, about five or six weeks here. So probably looking for some sort of a trace from that. So maybe maybe back towards a dollar or 90 cents or something, there might be, you know, you, right. stocks just don't go straight up and low. They, they tend to come back and build. So yeah. I think here, these guys are making the right type of movement. So you're just going to be patient here and wait for a good price here. Yeah. So um, yeah, if okay. you haven't already picked up on this sort of sell down, but yeah. it is good business. Danger signs around there, but um, with Accent Group, um, positive from both the guys. Um, Gary saying if you can get it down around that 90 cents to a dollar mark, that should be good buying. But but like the business, great brands, well run. Um, let's go back to the um, uh, back to the mining sector now. Resource stocks, um, AVZ Minerals, Lithium Miner um, had a interest from a Chinese investor uh, not back under the new tight rules of where China can invest in this market by the government only only a couple of weeks ago, I think. Um, James, lithium miners have promised so much for a long time, haven't they? They have, with um, varying degrees of success. success um, yeah. Mineral Resources, of course, sold half of uh, their lithium assets to Albemarle for 1.3 billion Aussie or yep. something. Um, in terms of um, AVZ Minerals, look, what a fabulous company to own if you hate making money. Uh, this is uh, lithium and tin in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, never ever burdened shareholders with a profit. Has raised right. capital every single year in their existence. In fact, 10 years ago, they had 88 million shares uh, outstanding, and now it's over two and a quarter billion. Wow. Um, no, thanks. Yep. All right. Okay. Uh, Gary? Yeah, no, similar view. So, yeah, market cap's 142 million. So, lots of shares on issue. Just the wrong sector here. So, Lithium Tim, Taylor, I mean, Congo is just, you know, it's uh, really need a change in that cycle as well. And, you know, this is obviously high risk, obviously, Congo as well. So, um, yeah, they've recently done a placement as well. So, more shares to be sold out. So, uh, yeah, so just no, 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 and no. 
Yeah. Is is there a decent lithium miner out there, James? Is it or I'd is it a sector you just? I like mineral resources. Right. Um, okay. it, it's a multifaceted business. They do. They've got so it's part of a portfolio. Part of a portfolio. They've sure. got their own um, uh, iron ore, but the main part of the business is contract con- contract crushing for others. Yeah. Um, lithium has got a potential significant kicker, but it's not going to hurt them too much if it doesn't come off. Yeah. So that'd be that's definitely and, the play and that I And the attraction of lithium is they use it's used in mobile phones or something. We're all, we're all, and all got them. Like uh, but yeah. lithium's not a rare commodity. Right. Um, to quote Howard Coleman, who uh, has been on this show a yeah. few times, yeah. um, lithium's um, talked about as being a rare earth. It's yes. not. It's not rare. Right. They used to be called rarely mined, um, and somewhere <laughs> along the marketing departments got hold of it and called them rare earths. Lithium's everywhere. Yeah, it, it's not difficult. Um, so demand's booming around the world that, and going to it's continue to. Like a rare earth. I've got no reason to doubt Howard. It's a great story, as you know. He's always <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. tells he's a good a, story. He knows, um, and he knows. Yeah, he's a very yeah, smart guy. Yeah. Um, but it's not rare. Right. It simply is not rare. Okay. Um, demand is growing massively around the world, as it has been. We use more and more of these types of devices. Yeah. Um, but supplies yeah. um, supplies sure. going to be the issue. And Gary, I suppose any miner that has. Uh, operations in Africa, you've got to put that uh, political stability sort of filter over the top of any investment, don't you? Yeah, look, I know it does vary from um, region to region there, but yeah, there's definitely some high risk there. I mean, uh, yeah, I actually think mineral resources is is, is the that's number one stock in that sector anyway. To if you were going to have some exposure there, right. um, that's probably the one to look at. Okay. All right. So I know for ABZ Minerals. Uh, final one, AUB, the insurance broker, James? Yeah, it's, good. it's a good company. It's basically a roll-up model. Um, they tend to take a stake in privately owned insurance brokers and build them over yep. time. There's two listed players, AUB and Steadfast, and the fear was yep. that they'd be sort of competing uh, and paying ever more for uh, practices. It hasn't been the case. Um, the risk around them is that they're mainly in small to medium enterprises, and if they, I hell a lot of them fall over in a. If we have a really gloomy outlook, um, then they're going to have um, have uh, some pressure on their customers. They're a bit of a price taker. They're a ticket clipper, and uh, they can't control the uh, the premiums that uh, that insurers charge. Yep. Um, but it's a it's a well run business. Yep. It's okay. Okay. Not uh, not banging the table on it, but right. um, but happy enough. It and steadfast. Who is? Oh, who happy happy enough there? with with either of them. Um, okay. Probably uh, probably a uh, a U B. Um, okay. Happy enough with either of them. Yeah. All right, Gary. Yeah. Look, it's been a good business here. It's obviously grown quite nicely there. Um, I think first half revenues up. 12% on the year, so the profit's down slightly, but has been growing quite nicely there. The, the only question mark I have is that PE is around 18, 19. So yeah, in a normal market, it's probably growth story, probably probably view that as fair, but in a market where we've had a fairly decent chunk to the downside move, it's probably not jumping out as super cheap here, I guess, at the moment. Um, but business has definitely been heading the right direction there, and Pretty strong balance sheet as well, so um, good good business. Just probably 
probably the price here, I guess. So it's um, yeah, but on on a lower multiple, I'd be interested. Okay, all right. Um, just before I let you go, Gary, thoughts on um, on Westpac's result today? Any surprises for you there? No, I think it was pretty much flagged. He was seen. Um, it's like you saw those sort of um, all the banks were discounted pretty hard into that twenty third of March low to the point where they were trading what sub thirty percent lower than they were at the GFC lows on evaluation perspective. But we all know there's damage to come here. Earnings deteriorated. We knew there was going to be a hit to dividends. So the way that uh, NAB and Westpac and ANZ have sort of price reacted to those events hasn't moved too much. So mm. this sort of tells you the market market knows it's already sort of ahead of it. So, um, you know, the, when you get the bad news coming out and you don't get too much movement, you, you know you know your market's already priced it in. Mm. James? Gary's hit the nail on the head. Yep. Yeah. Look, it was a horrible result. It was expected. Um, the market's telling you that today. I think it's actually yeah. up a little bit in a, in a losing market today. Um, you can't say that it's a new CEO uh, having a bit of a clean out because he's part of the old guard, old <laughs> uh, albeit I think it was a good appointment. Yeah. Um, but look, it's a difficult time in the sector. The problem with it is, with banking generally, is that um, if we have a protracted recession, and I told you earlier it's not our view, yeah. but if that happens, the first big names that fall over in the uh, 90s, 80, uh, after the 87 crash, the Bonds, the Quintexes, Ariadnes, yeah. um, then the last one, the Centros of the world. Um, banks take that in their stride. Um, it's the long tail of small to medium companies and people right. who hang on by their fingertips. Yeah. And when they collapse, that's where the real pain is. Right. So that's the... Uh, if you've got a positive view on the Australian economy, the bank's Deeply discounted, um, probably not bad, but if you're a bit cautious, they're highly leveraged to the economy. Right. They're yeah. not low-risk businesses. They never have been. Yep. Okay. All right. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. That was terrific for joining us on the call. Just to recap uh, the results today from our top 10 stocks. A no for Megaport. Uh, Beta shares, uh, geared fund, a no. Fortescue, no. Um, a soft buy from Gary on Webjet and Main Pharma. Uh, a no from uh, from James on both of those. No on iSelect. Fiducian, a um, a good stock, well run. Uh, they like Fiducian. Accent, yes, good retailing stock. If you can get it uh, for between ninety cents and a dollar, Gary would be happy. A no for ABZ Minerals. AUB, uh, they like but doesn't knock their socks off sort of bit of a, a steady-as-she-go sort of stock. Um, James Rosenberg, thank you for joining us. Great Pleasure to see you again, as Good usual. Uh, Gary Glover, really appreciate your time as well. If you want to uh, suggest any stocks for us uh, for future episodes of The Call, you can email them in the call at osbiz.com.au or... Mm.